The message that I want to speak to you today is called Taming the Temper. And I honestly believe that if there is someone in this congregation who is struggling with outbursts of temper, and it's bringing their family to the brink of disaster, there is healing in this house today. And God wants to save your family. So please take this moment very seriously. Any defense, just drop it. Don't feel like you have to save face. This is not anything but a service to you. And it is a time for healing. I really need you to pray both for this message and then for any person in this room that might need to hear this. It's a desperate moment. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to help us. We know without question that we can't do anything without you. And we wouldn't want to under any circumstance. We don't want to move without you. Moses set an example for us. He made it very clear. We will not take one step if God is not with us. But you are with us, Lord. And you're with us to do some wonderful things, things that seemed as though they were impossible. You're here to bring healing into hearts and healing into homes. Lord, you're here to step in where nothing else has been able to help. We're going to ask you to stretch out your hands now and do the miraculous. We believe in healing and we believe in healing of homes, healing of families, healing of relationships. And we're asking you, God, supernaturally come in, break down every barrier of anger, bitterness, and of hopelessness and shame, of self-defense right now, so that your anointing oil, your mollifying ointment might come in and bring healing. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here in the midst, and we ask you to speak to us in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you a, a bit of uh, information about a text of Scripture. We're going to do what we can to study that portion of Scripture. But the truth of the matter is because it is a whole chapter, and it actually goes into the next chapter, the best way to get the full benefit of it is when you have an opportunity, take some time and read it through. It's the first book of Samuel, and we will consider the 25th chapter. The entire chapter is obviously worthy of consideration, but it will tell the full story. I'm going to give a brief synopsis. Basically, the story is of David as he is being pursued by Saul he finds himself in the wilderness. And when they say the wilderness, of course, they're talking about a barren place, a place where there is nothing to grow, and no means of self-sustenance. You can't choose to plant and to reap. So you need the help of people around you. So David is running from Saul. He's in the wilderness. Samuel had just died, 
And there was a man named Nabal who lived in that region. And he had a vast sum of money. He had uh, uh, sheep. He had uh, livestock. And he had much provision. David was there with his entire army. He had at least 600 people with him, 600 fighting men with him. But David, instead of taking from this man, which he had the power to do, he protected him. He protected his shepherds. He protected his sheep. He protected everything that this man was conducting, all of his business, David protected. Now there came a day when it was customary to celebrate one's wealth and to open your coffers, if you will, to people who were in need. So David sent a couple of messengers to the man and simply humbled himself and asked, could you help us? We, we can't grow things out here. We've done everything we could to protect you. We never once infringed on your property, never took anything from you. But instead, according to the shepherds of this man, David had been a wall around him. But when the man heard of David's need, irrespective of the custom of the situation and irrespective of the nature of the community, which was you help people who are in need, he scoffed at David, said, who is David? There's many people who run away from their masters. And why should I give what's mine to David? Now, I think David at that stage, he just let it get to him. It just brought out an uncharacteristic quality. And he decided that he was going to not only take what he wanted, but he was going to slaughter this man and his entire community. He just had a flare-up of temper that was clearly uncharacteristic. See, the thing about this story is there is an outburst of temper that comes from a man who was not known for it. If you had said, tell me a little bit about David, they might have said, well, let me tell you his history. Let me tell you his story. Let me tell you David's usual response when he encounters conflict or when he encounters difficulty. And they might have given you a little bit of a testimony. They might have said, I remember the day when he fought against a man named Goliath. And instead of him running out to meet this man for his own glory, which soldiers would do in those days, to make a name for themselves in those days. The Bible says that the only thing that was on his mind was the praise of God and the purposes of God. When his brother said, what are you doing trying to involve yourself in this issue? David said, isn't there a cause? Isn't there a purpose? And when Goliath began to rail against David, 
David says, you're not talking about me. I'm nothing. You're talking about the Lord. You're talking about the Lord of hosts. And I'm not coming at you in my own name. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord. And that would have been David's testimony. Or somebody else might have said, well, let me tell you what happened when he was going through his struggles with Saul. Or we might say, let me tell you what happened when he was going through his struggles with the government or with the powers or with the leadership or with individuals that were, you know, in his life that he might have had some difficulties with. Maybe somebody who might have had some influence in one level or another. And he's, he said, listen, God is sovereign. Joab said, you know what? We can kill him. We can kill him in his sleep. I see him. He's vulnerable. Remember? And David said, no, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. You see, what he was basically saying is, listen, this person is here for a reason. He said, I'm not going to rail, for instance, against the president. I, I, I might not agree with everything that he says, but I'm not going to rail against him because he's our president. And it's up to us to rally behind the authorities. That's in the scripture. And so, and so David had a mindset. He said, it's, it's about the sovereignty, about the providence, about the power of God. And again, somebody else might have said, oh, you should have saw how he dealt with the enemy armies of the Lord. David never fought with those enemies in his own strength. Instead, he always sought the Lord's protection. He didn't say, at least not at that stage of his life. Later on, he made the mistake of numbering his mighty men, but at that stage, he didn't. He just fought, and he did what he knew God was allowing him to do. He would consult the Lord. When it was time to fight, he fought. When it wasn't time to fight, he didn't fight. But his fights were never for his own glory, never for his own honor, never for his own name. And so that would have been his testimony. But now David is doing something that's contrary to his character. And I'm thinking that maybe there are some things that contribute to a good person with a good testimony flying off the handle and losing it in a moment. In David's case, there is this pressure from internal struggle. Inside, he was fighting, and it was getting too much. Saul was pursuing him. Samuel had died, and he was in this time of desperate need. He was feeling the crunch. We might say it's, he was feeling the financial crunch. All of a sudden, you see it in families. When finances are off, attitudes change. People start fighting each other uncharacteristically. <laughs> They start going at each other when it's not their normal behavior. Normally, it's about trusting in God's provision and God's power and God's promise and God's providence. But sometimes when something like that comes upon you, it can throw you off. Great loss can throw you off. Samuel was David's 
friend, his mentor, his example. And sometimes psychological difficulty, emotional stress can throw you off. So this is what's going on in David's life internally. And then externally, he was dealing with the indignity of provocation. This man Nabal found David in a vulnerable place and he took advantage of it. He found David hungry, tired, frustrated, and he mocked him. Who is David? And he accused him. He's breaking away from his master. And David, at that point, began to look inward, began not to consider now the name of the Lord, but to consider his own name. That question, who is David? And it's something in David that says, I will show you who David is. Do you know what I mean? And that's when the temper begins to flare. Because at a certain point, David is provoked. He's already got the internal struggles. Now he's provoked from the outside. And he just loses it. He feels like this man has mocked him. He feels like he's betrayed him. He said, I've been protecting your sheep all this time and you're repaying me evil for good. And so at a certain stage, he decides he's just going to destroy him. Because there is the emphasis in his life now on personal honor. Before it wasn't that. The emphasis was on God's glory. The emphasis was on God's name. The emphasis was on God's power, God's presence, God's provision. But now the emphasis is on who is David. So all of a sudden there is this desire to prove one's self-worth. To defend one's self. To honor one's own name. And this is where his temper begins to come in. And when he talks about himself, you know, when he's dealing with his own honor and his own self, he talks about his military might. He's got 600 men. He takes 400 with him to come down hard on Nabal. He talks about his personal reputation. He says, I could have killed you at any time. I could have taken anything I wanted, but I protected you. He's reminding this man that all along you were under my guidance, under my provision, under my power. And none of that's true, of course. But David is not aware of the fact that he's being led down a, down a blind path. And then, of course, in his desire to honor 
himself, he knows the nature of Nabal. He knows that Nabal is a fool. That's what the Bible says. His name means fool. He knows that Nabal is evil. But he's still ready to ally himself with Nabal if Nabal would allow it. See, that's what happens whenever temper begins to flare. Temper begins to match whatever it is that, it, that provokes it. So all of a sudden, he has an alliance with this man, Nabal, one way or the other. At first he says, you know, just give me sheep, give me, you know, go to whatever, calls himself his son and everything. But Nabal won't allow for that. He still takes on Nabal's characteristics. And he starts to look and act like Nabal. The Bible says, never answer a fool according to his folly. Right? But it's so strange in that text of scripture, the next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly. And what it means is, You don't get down to the level of a fool. You don't join them. You don't make excuses. But you treat them like what they are. So you don't answer them as in being like them. But you remind yourself of what they are. And you say, that's not what I want to be. So that's where he was. But fortunately, there was a woman. A woman named Abigail. And she came to David on behalf of her people. And it was what she said and how she said it, that changed everything. For instance, her actions and advice calmed David, soothed his temper. Notice, it says that in the text of Scripture, it reminds us that she came to him and she immediately prostrated herself before him. Now, basically what that means is, in order for her to talk to him, she had to humble herself. It's just that simple. When a person is dealing with temper, there is no way to enter into their world in that moment without igniting the flame. You have to draw them into your world. You can't beat the enemy on his own territory. So spiritually speaking, you have to draw the person away from where the enemy lives. And you do that by exemplifying humility. And it's a wonderful thing when humility comes into the face of temper. 
I'm not saying these are foolproof plans. I'm saying that they are principles. There are some types of temper that need something more. Some types of temper need clinical help. Some types of temper need the court systems and so on. I'm not talking about people who are violent to the point of hurting and even killing. I'm talking about good people, godly people, who every now and again fly off the handle and lose their temper. Humility meets that need. You can't fight fire with fire in that case. Humility meets that need. And again, an expression of self-sacrifice, she places all of the iniquity on herself. So she's not fighting to prove that she's right or that her husband is right. She's just saying, listen, I acknowledge we're wrong. She hadn't done anything wrong. But her husband was wrong, and she knew it. So she just humbled herself. And that's easy to do. It's easy to do when the Holy Spirit lives in you. Right? And then she asks him to let her speak. Right? She doesn't intrude. She's basically saying, are you ready to hear? Can I talk to you? So it's not an argument. It's asking permission. Can I talk to you? Are you in a position to listen? And he opens his heart. And then she pleads for mercy. Not for her, because she hadn't done anything wrong. But she pleaded for mercy for the wrongdoer. She pulled David all the way from the enemy's camp back to the heart of the Lord. And David was open to that because he was a man after God's own heart. You notice I'm using a pure example, a godly example, a man after God's own heart to prove that it doesn't matter who you are, you can have a struggle with temper flare-ups. And it can be uncharacteristic. It doesn't have to be a part of your ordinary character. It doesn't have to be the thing by which you are defined. If people say, tell me a little bit about so-and-so, they won't say, oh, this person has a horrible temper. I said, this is the nicest person you want to meet. But in your heart, you will know. And maybe somebody close to you will know. And every now and again, when the going is rough, when business is difficult, when life is difficult, when finances are difficult, 
when there's significant loss, whether it be relational or financial or social or emotional or physical, you can sometimes lose it. Well, there is a way out. There's a way out. Now, the truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, David didn't have to listen to her. But her demeanor, you heard Pastor Carter say it earlier today, it's her demeanor, the way she came to him, opened up the avenue for her to actually speak to him. She came in humility. She came in prostration. She came with a heart to hear and to speak, asking permission if she could talk. You know, That, to me, opens the door to what she said. So Abigail reminds David of the bigger picture of divine favor. See what Abigail was saying? Don't worry. You are still in God's plan. You don't have to allow this pressure to build up. You belong to God. And God has become yours. Notice what she says. It, it really blesses my heart. Because she assesses the situation. She's asking, listen, consider the source. You know Nabal. You know what he's like. Why are you allowing him to draw you into his world? See? You know the enemy. You know what he's like. Why would you allow him to draw you into his world. And then she reminds him to remember God's favor. If there's a touch of God on your life, if there's the favor of God in your life, no matter what kind of loss you're dealing with, no matter what kind of pressure you're under, the favor of God is still on your life. God's grace is still with you. You don't ever have to worry and you don't ever have to fear. Hallelujah. And you never have to allow the tension or the pressure to build up. You, you just never have to do that. You understand what I'm saying? You are in the bosom of life. She tells David that you're wrapped in the bundle of life with God. You don't have to worry about anything. She reminds him of God's protection and the bundle of life. That just blesses my heart. It's like it doesn't matter. God has invested his life in your life. God has intertwined your life with his life. How you live and how you fare and how you deal is all bound up with God's testimony and with God's promises and with God's favor. You understand? God has invested his reputation in you. 
So God is not going to let you fall. He's not going to let you fail. You can release the pressure. You don't need to hold on to pressure that's going to erupt at some point. You can just let it go because God has invested his name in you. God has invested his character in you. Hallelujah. His covenant promise is for you. And no matter what you're going through, God is going to take care of you. And then she reminds him of God's promise. That God has called you. That he has a plan for you. And nothing's going to change that. Nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can rob you of that. No matter what it seems like from moment to moment. And if you believe that, then the pressure can't build but so much. So I just want to help you to grasp that reality. There's something very real about this moment. This is not a time of um, exuberance or entertainment. This is a time of healing. That's what this church is about. That's what it's always been about. That's what our pastor has always been about. This is not a time of entertainment. It's not a time of hip hip parades. I want to trust Jesus. I want to be healed. I don't want to yell at my wife anymore. I don't want to slam doors in my house anymore. I don't want my kids to be afraid anymore. I don't want them to breathe a sigh of relief when I leave the house. I don't want them trembling when they hear my keys in the door. Brothers and sisters, this is real. We're not talking about an ogre. We're not talking about a monster. We're talking about a man after God's own heart who lost it just for a moment. And then somebody like Abigail Maybe I'm, I'm, maybe I'm your Abigail today. Maybe the Holy Spirit is your Abigail today. Don't be ashamed, please. Don't be afraid. Nobody's going to look at you like you're wrong. This is a time of healing. The waters have been troubled. The waters have been stirred up. Now it's time to walk in. I beg you, don't let this moment pass you by. Your kids will thank you. Their kids will thank you. You know you can go home a different person? Your kids, your wife, maybe your husband, they will hear that door, hear those keys, Expect one thing and get another. They'll get a new father, a new mother, a new child. Hear me, hear me. This is a time of healing. The waters have been stirred. Put away pride, put away shame. 
come and be healed. Let's stand together in the house of the Lord. I'm always privileged to be at this pulpit, particularly because of my great love for our pastor and my great respect because of his example, because of his message, because of his life. I'm going to ask the pastor to come and pray for you to close out the service. And my advice to you is listen to what the Spirit is saying because the pastor always has a word and don't be ashamed don't be weighed down with guilt and don't be defensive so that you don't come you hear believe God he's here to help you amen Abigail said to David, it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you, and he has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with, with the, my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Then David said to Abigail, blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. Abigail was saying, David, God has anointed you. God has a plan for your life, and that plan is going to be fulfilled. But if you reach out, and in anger, you begin to wound or hurt people along the way, even though you yourself will come to the fullness of that plan that God has for your life, it will be spoiled because of the things that you allowed yourself to do along the way. The victory will not be complete. David, let God fight for you. Let God fight for you. A weak, a weak person will lash out. It takes, it takes no strength of character to lash out. And we see that in our time. People are lashing out all over the place. It's, all, it's not in strength, it's in weakness. It takes strength to trust God. It takes strength to believe that, Lord, you will fight for me. You will fight for me. You will vindicate me. You will bring forth my name and reputation as gold. In spite of what these people are saying about me, you, Lord, you, Lord God, you, because your word says that you will bring forth my righteousness, that you will be the one behind the scenes. And when I have finally achieved, when I finally come to the end in a sense of everything you promised me, that I won't look back and say, God, I wish I, I wouldn't have done that. I wish I hadn't hurt those people. I wish I had kept my peace. I wish I had trusted you more. I wish I hadn't allowed the testimony of your presence in my life to be diminished by my anger, by my temper. If that's you, we're just going to sing one more time that chorus. Would you slip out of your seat if you just say, God, I need help with my temper. I need, to, I need help to control my tongue. People lash out at me, I lash right back. I, I'm, I'm just not given to a quietness of spirit. And not only do I lash back, but in my, my heart, I plot their demise. You know what I'm talking about, right? I plot their hurt. And, and if it came into my hand to actually further that or make it happen sooner, I would do it. But that's not the ways of God. That's not what we're called to. And if, if you just need help, you need help in your home, 
You need help to be kind when you come through the door. You need help to be kind with your children. You know, our kids, they all have attitudes, right? And, you know, it's just so hard sometimes. You don't have to shove their face in the butter. You know what I'm talking about, right? And it's just like, God, would you help me? Would you help me to be kind? Would you help me to hold my temper? Would you help me to speak peace and to be a, a righteous guide? That when, when I get to the end and I've, I have the victory, that these things would not have spoiled it along the way. So, Father, thank you, Lord, for this word from Pastor William this afternoon. Such a powerful word delivered in such a soft voice. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. God, we, in that presentation, we saw Abigail coming, humbling herself before David and said, David, don't do this. Don't do this. Your life is bound up with the king, with God. Let God do this for you. And don't mar your inheritance. Don't hurt your inheritance. Turn back from your anger. And David said, oh, thank God. Thank God that you were sent to me today. Father, thank you for sending us the truth today. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the courage, Lord, to step back from words of anger, from wanting to justify ourselves when we are attacked. I thank you, Lord. Give us grace. People in the workplace who are being slandered and lied about, snickered at, Lord, give them great grace, Father, great grace. Now listen to me. Not only did Abigail stop David, but God dealt with that man Nabal, and then David sent a message to Abigail, and it was this simple, Abigail, will you marry me? For real. He sent a message to her. After Nabal was taken care of and died of a heart attack, he said, will you be my wife? In other words, I don't want the voice of reason just to be something that meets me on my pathway when I make a mistake. I want the voice of reason in my house, and I want to be one with the voice of reason. So you two today at the altar can say, this spirit of reconciliation, will you marry me? Will you become one with me? Will you come home with me? Will you, will you occupy my house? Will you so intertwine yourself and me that the two of us become one? I don't want to just always be a person who flies off the handle and has to be reasoned with from a distance. I want that reasoning in my heart. I want that reasoning in my house. I want that reasoning in my life. And I thank God for those of you who have come because God's going to answer your cry. He'll help you. He'll help all of us to be careful, to be careful. So, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we receive the word that was spoken today. And that's what David did, not just receive the word. He received the entirety of it for the rest of his life. God Almighty, I pray for each of us at this altar today, Lord that we would take home and become one with the spirit of reconciliation. Not railing for railing, but offering peace, no matter what others say to us. Speaking right when others speak wrong. Doing good to them when they do evil to us. God help us, Lord. God help us. It has to become part of our character. And Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can make it live and make it real. We talked about that in the communion service today. You made a way so that the promises you make to us can become part of our very nature. So make us a people who are not weak, but strong in you, Lord. Strong in the truth that you plant within our hearts. Strong, O oh God, in that strength that only comes from heaven itself. Give us the grace to forgive our enemies, Lord. 
and to put away the grievances, God. As some are new and some are very old and some were even passed on from our parents. Give us the grace, Lord, to put them away. Give us the grace to be kind and trust you to vindicate us, Lord. We put ourselves in your hands. And as Abigail said to David, you are bound up in the life of God. And God is going to take you to where he has promised. And don't let this thing mar your inheritance. Don't let it put a stain on this work of God in you. So Lord, give us the grace to put away evil speaking, evil temper. Lord, just evil desire. Give us the grace to put it all away and to turn away God and go back home changed. That's what David did. He received the messenger and he went home changed. A different man. He went out an angry man. He came back home a man at peace with God and willing to let God defend him. And Lord, you showed yourself to be true. You always do. You always will. Thank you for the deep work here today. It's a deep work, Lord, at this altar. It's not a light thing. It's not a shallow thing. It's not something we just clap our hands and go hip, hip, hooray, and suddenly it's there. No, it's something that we agree with. We agree. David agreed with this truth and took it to his heart. Father, it changed him. It made him a man after your heart. And God, we thank you for it with all of our heart today. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God.